All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey guys, Tim here. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Or maybe you've got one that just doesn't seem to be growing the way you want it to. I'm going to be teaching an online course to share everything I've learned about growing Dropping the Gloves. In this course, we'll be covering how to start your own show and plan your content, monetize your podcast, build an audience, create a brand identity, leverage audience feedback, and analyze data in a way that's actionable. Here's the catch, though. You can find information about basically all of those things from a simple Google search. So I'm not going to share boring how-tos or best practices. Instead, I'll be sharing real stories from our experience with growing the show and the important lessons we learned along the way, mistakes we made, what we wish we did differently, and how we turned a fun side project into a real business. And most importantly, how you can apply these lessons to your own podcasts. It's a 90-minute class that you can attend either of two nights, October 23rd and November 14th. You can find a link to more information in the bios of any of our social media pages. But also feel free to message me if you have any questions. I hope to see you there. everybody welcome to a beautiful friday here middle of september dropping the gloves podcast thank you for joining us here tim it's a beautiful day i went fishing last night i told you that you were texting me up a storm trying to get me to do some funny random stuff that i have no business doing to be honest tim always has these uh fun ideas about what i should do people reach out quite a bit actually isn't that right tim people want want us to do random stuff and do this do that and usually tim filters it because he handles all the incoming emails from our Dropping the Gloves email account, which is what, Tim? What's our email? Uh, contact at droppingthegloves.com. So we get stuff quite quite often. And Tim will, you know, he's good with it because he knows I say no to everything. So he'll only present some stuff that's worthwhile. And he sent me something last night that's like this Puck, puck Duco, but it's different. It's like grid.com. I don't know. I don't want to say a website and it's just bad, but it's it's similar to that where they want you to make your own Puck Doku. And I mean, I think I'm going to do it. It's fun. So, yeah, I was dealing with that last night while I was fishing. I said, Tim, leave me alone. Got to hook a, a king salmon here. And I hooked one. And you know what happened? Reeling it in. It's about 200 feet from the boat. And the line tangled. We They use copper lines. And the line tangled. It created like a little nest on the reel. And it got about 200 feet to the boat, like I said, and then the fish just took off and it started peeling line off my reel. Well, that burr 
got caught in the line guide on my reel. Anybody who's fishing, who fishes knows what I'm talking about. They have a little line guide, so it reels the line and makes it even on your spool. The bird couldn't go through the line guide, and it snapped the copper line. The guy who I was uh, fishing with, he's like, I've been doing this for 15-some years. I've never seen that happen. I'm like, great. So that was it. That was you. Know, he said it would have been a 20-pounder. So what did you just, do wrong? I didn't do anything wrong. I did everything perfect. Now, I, I don't, who knows what I did wrong? Maybe I... He said I didn't do anything wrong. I don't believe him, but I'm not a fisherman. What can I say? It's not not what I do. But luckily, some other people caught some fish, so we took home some king salmon, some coho. It was a good time. Good stuff. Drank some Michelob light beer. Never had it before. Michelob Ultra. Wasn't, didn't hate it. Wasn't a fan. I like my Labatt Blue Light and like my shorts uh, Locals Light. Those are my two. You know, when I'm feeling fancy, I do the shorts local light. When I'm feeling generic, I get the Labatt Blue Light. That's who I am now, Tim. My wife came home from Costco and brought some Sam Adams Oktoberfest. I almost threw it back in the car and said, take this junk back. Get this off my property. But then I drank it and it was good. It is good. Yeah, I'm not a snob. You know what? I made the mistake three years ago. I bought one of those sampler packs from Sam Adams, but it had like the pumpkin. It had three other flavors sat in my fridge. Not even kidding. Three years until I finally just brought it somewhere. Like my buddy had a card party. I'm like, I'm taking all this junk and I'm getting rid of it. And I just left it at his house. So don't like that stuff. Like my beer simple. Like I like my men and women. Simple. You're a simple Almost. guy. You know, I am a simple guy. No you know, my, my, my favorite band growing up was Simple Plan. <laughs> it wasn't. It was tragically hip, but it, it worked with the segment. You know who's who's not happy, Tim? The Met, the uh, Detroit Red Wings fans. We had our little preview yesterday, or last show. I, I, I shoot it from the hip. You know, I call it like I see it. And I, I just kind of basically said the Red Wings, Red Wings rebuild is not going as planned. When you look at where they were three, four years ago with the potential money coming off the books, bad contracts going away, high draft picks, immense potential with that team. Everybody's talked about it. He nailed it with the most cider pick, Lucas Raymond, who looked like he was still a budding star, and he looks like he's going to you know, put that into fruition. The guy's a stud. After that, there's been nothing. All of his free agent signings have left, you know, a lot to the imagination. Nothing's really panned out. They're still searching for that goaltender. They're still searching for that star player as Dylan Lark and that guy. They bring in some other players. They bring in Alex to I- I'm not a fan of what the Stevie Y has done compared to what he did in Tampa Bay. The expectations were just sky high when he came to Detroit. Everybody was super excited. And now they're still languishing at the bottom of the division year over year. It's like, when is this going to finally click this rebuild out of the Ottawa Senators? When does the rebuild turn into an actual competitive, competitive team, right? Can we just stop, you know, pretending that we're rebuilding? We've been doing it for a while now. This is it. Let's compete. And so I, I don't think Stevie Wise done a very good job. So people, people lashed out as they do online. What are some of the things they're saying t- 
Tim. Well, you get a lot of the, the typical ones, like who's John Scott and he's been punched in the head too many times or like another horrible take from this guy that just wants attention, blah, 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 blah. And Which I love that because Tim knows I hate attention. <laughs> doesn't even check this stuff. Um, but I, I, those come in, those come anytime you say anything, basically the two things that kept coming up over and over again, that I think have varying degrees of merit. The first one is like, you can't understate how bad of a situation Eisenman took over for the contracts they had at the time, like Jonathan Erickson and Ablocator and all these guys that were just way overpaid, bad contracts, um, that, that he was starting from like, he wasn't even at the plate. He was he was in the bench. He was in line outside the ballpark, you know. And so that was fair enough, you know. Whatever I can I can see that as a, as a point a counterpoint. But the other one that, I, that that only makes you sound like a loser when you talk about it, and I heard probably I don't know eight or ten tweets mention it was the bad luck with the draft lottery that they kept getting screwed in their draft position and they never got any good high lottery picks and just bad luck. And all you do is you sound like a whiny loser when you when you use that as an excuse. Damn, careful. You do. I mean, like, I get, I get some things are out of your control and maybe you drop from fourth to sixth and you lost out on XYZ player or whatever, but you, it doesn't help your argument when you're talking about that sort of thing. And so all those tweets about that, you got to find something better to do, better to stand on. Cause that just doesn't work for me. That's, that's aggressive. That's a very aggressive uh, take there, Tim. I, it's lame. Can, it's, it's lame. It's a lame. But you, argument. you know, it is something that you can maybe, say but it is a capo because there are other teams who are very successful who have never had a number one overall pick or who have never had high draft picks or just managed to make things work even though they're not getting really high draft picks so to, to say it's like oh we didn't get a lottery pick you know last year we got the number nine pick the year before that we got the number eight pick the year before that we got the number six pick the year before that we got the number four pick which was lucas raymond mo cider at number six Philippe Zadina at number six in 2018. I get it. But if you go back in history and you look at those drafts, there's superstars all over the place. Maybe you just missed. You go back to the Philip Zadina draft in 2018. He was drafted six after Philip Zadina, right after him. Quinn Hughes from the Vancouver Canucks. A little bit down the list, you got stars, Keandre Miller, you got Philip Johansson. You got very valuable players. So it's not that the players aren't available. Maybe you just drafted wrong. So, and you can do that with every draft pick. I get there's always what ifs hindsight's 2020. I just think people, and I say this a lot. So pardon me if I'm repeating myself, but it's an echo chamber. You got to know where you are and you got to be able to take responsibility for your actions. I love the passion from the Red Wings fans. You can't sit here and look me in the eye. If you're a Detroit Red Wings fan and actually believe that you're going to make the playoffs this year. If you firmly think that you're better than the Bruins, the Leafs, the Lightnings, the Panthers, the Sabres, and the Senators, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. And you can't sit here and look at me with a straight face unless you're a psychopath. And you can't tell me that the, the Detroit Red Wings have done a good job with their free agent signings, bringing in Andrew Kopp, JT Comfer, David Perron, Kim Costin, Daniel Sprong, Christian Fisher. What? That's just the front end. On the back end, it gets even worse. Ben Chirant, Justin Hall, Oli Mata, and now they traded for Jeff Petrie. Do those, do those names strike fear in you, Tim, if you're an opposing coach, an opposing player? No, but the the main argument is just be patient. You're not wrong. You're just early. You know, it's like this is still, we're still two years out. He said it was a five-year plan. They're three years into it. 
fine, but you just you look at Ottawa and Buffalo by comparison. They've locked up their stars for great deals long term. And I get like they had some benefits that Detroit didn't because they had been rebuilding for longer. So they didn't have to offload all those bad contracts that that Eisenman did when he took over. But still, those teams have have leaped you. You guys were starting from a similar place not too long ago and they and they passed you. That's just what it is. Not about yeah. just outcome now. It's it's what they've done to show their progress. To their point, though, the fans, like even that Zadina draft, Ottawa selected fourth, Buffalo selected first. They get Darlene and Kachuk. So there is something to be said at the Mo Sider draft. If they were a lottery, Mo Sider gets selected six. Who knows if they get the first overall pick where they end up? The Mo Sider was a good one. That's a bad example. But just say the 2000, let's say 2020, they got Raymond. I'll give them that one. The 2021 draft where they pick six, if they're in, you know, a lottery pick, they get Owen Power. They get Maddie Beignet. They get Luke Hughes. You know, maybe that changes the outlook of the team. One of those players is a, is a needle mover. So I'm not going to whine. You know, it is what it is. I'm sorry I offended you guys, but I'm just calling it like I see it. Red Wings will not make the playoffs next year, potentially the year after. But just based on what he's done, I don't think he's done anything. So kick rocks. You know what I mean? I'm allowed my opinion. They're going to suck this year. They're going to be bottom of the bottom of the league. It is what it is. It's going to be them and their Canadians. At the bottom of the Atlantic, bottom of the East, it's going to be them, Jackets, Flyers, Capitals. Just, it is what it is. Move on. Any other mean tweets? I like this. Um, another one, but I'm going to save that to later in the show. So let's get into the... Ooh, teaser. He teased it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good one. Listen to you. All right, let's get in. We did the Atlantic on Wednesday. We're doing the Metro today. Arguably, some would say the best division in hockey. Although last year in the playoffs, they left a lot to be desired. There was a lot of upsets. A lot of teams didn't do what they were supposed to do in the playoffs, and they bowed out fairly early. We saw the Florida Panthers take it to pretty much every team in the whole league except for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. But here we go. The Metropolitan Division, the last few years, has been dominated by three teams. Hurricanes, Devils, Rangers. Will that trend continue, Tim? What do you see out of this division? Yeah, the big question for me is, is the Penguins. They're kind of the X factor for this division right now because I think you know what know, know what to expect from Carolina and New Jersey, probably the Rangers too. The Penguins could either be like, I don't think they'll, there's no case to be made for them to be in the best team in the division, but they could be the second or third team locked in a playoff spot, or they could miss the playoffs. Like, and I wouldn't really be surprised by either of those. The big question, obviously, is Carlson. What does he bring to that team? Does he get close to? No one expects a hundred points from him again. But like we talked about this a few weeks ago, just playing with Latang boost his numbers because of matchups and and the talent around him or does it drop his numbers because he's sharing that puck he's not going to be the, the only guy anymore um and then of course like what does he bring out of malkin and crosby and gensel and rust does do they all elevate their game because of carlson's presence or is it similar to what happened in san jose where it just didn't work it didn't click all the talent on the ice just didn't matter didn't translate to wins so that's to me is the biggest question for this team in this division right now yeah, I agree. I think they have done a good job this offseason. People focus on Eric Carlson. You're missing Riley Smith. You're missing Matt Nieto. They bring in Rem Pitlick. They got Alex Nylander. They bring in Ryan Graves. They did a lot of other moves other than just bringing in Eric Carlson. So this is a this will be a drastically different team than last year, and I like everything that they've done. So I, I think with this team, they obviously faltered at the end of last year, just missing out of the second wildcard spot to the Florida Panthers like we've talked about many times, but... 
I don't want to play this team in the playoffs if I'm anybody in the East. This team scares me in the playoffs. Yes, in the regular season, they'll have their bumps, they'll have their bruises, they'll go in ebbs and flows like veteran teams do. They kind of lose interest. They're not engaged like a young guy would be through 82 games. So this team will have their, you know, five, six game losing streaks. They'll have their 10 game winning streaks. Once they get the playoffs, this team will be dangerous. If Gensel's 100% coming back from ankle surgery, he's going to be with Crosby and Raquel. That's a very dangerous first line. Then all of a sudden, you got Riley Smith, Malkin, and Brian Rust, who's a dangerous second line. You bring in Lars Eller. You got Jeff Carter. You got Nieto. You got Riley Smith. That's a pretty good bottom six, Tim. And they've rounded out their D men. Everybody's like I said, Carlson, Ryan Graves is a big guy here. He's going to suit in next to Latang. He's going to settle down that first pairing. They're going to be very, very good. So I'm always out on these older teams, but if there was one team that could make a, a run in the playoffs, it's this team right here. I really like what they've done this offseason. They bring in friend of the show, Alex Novelkovich, to kind of settle down the goaltending issue of Tristan Yari. He can't figure out his glove hand. He's not a bad backup. He kind of bounced around Detroit, went down to Grand Rapids. He's found a good spot here. I like Pittsburgh. I don't think they'll be at the top of the division with the three juggernauts that we're going to talk about in a second, but I like them sliding in in that fourth spot. And then don't don't count them out in the playoffs. They could be next year's Florida Panthers of last year, where they just go on a run and they're scary. I know it's crazy to hear me saying this, but I did a little digging. I like what they've done to him. I, I really do. do. And now and they're getting they're getting Doug Wilson. By the way, I was patting myself on the back last week because Tim is always, you got to text people. You got to reach out. You got to reach out. You got to text people. I texted Doug Wilson, GM, former GM of the San Jose Sharks. He's going to be a senior advisor of something. Operations. Operations of something. Who knows? Hockey operations and whatever. He He didn't text me back, Tim. He called me. We had a nice conversation. What a great guy. You know what else happened that week? Maybe even the same day, all-star goaltender reached out to me, got my number, Devin Dubnik. All of a sudden, I get a text on my phone, obviously on my phone, saying, hey, is this John Scott? This is Debbie Dubnik. I was like, yeah, it is. He's like, hey, I just wanted to get Neil Yak. Yeah, this is John. <laughs> yeah, this right. is John. What's up, man? <laughs> he, well, he wanted to get Neil Yakupov's number because he felt bad. I was like, that's nice of you. I didn't give it to him, but... It was um it was nice of him to reach out. So yeah, I still got it, Tim. Pretty cool. Did Devin say how he found out or did someone show him or, or he what? listens to the show? Friend of the show. He's gonna come on? I didn't ask him. But <laughs> nice. Uh, he he made the all-star uh game when I did in 2016. I still remember walking in line. I think it was him, Ben Bishop, and myself. And I was like, damn, you goalies are tall. It's crazy. Pretty fun stuff. Then we went out. I got the biggest ovation. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. All right. So Pittsburgh Penguins. Very good. So you think this core, how many years left on in the tank for this core for the Penguins? I've been saying one year left for three years. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm just not going to bet against Sidney Crosby and Malkin. You know what I mean? So I, they, they probably still have a two year window at this point, honestly. What sets Latang? Crosby and Malkin apart from a Carlson, Backstrom, and Ovechkin. Washington's big three versus Pittsburgh's big three. Why don't you believe in those guys? That's a good question. Um, Damn right it is. Well, first of all, obviously, three cups to one, you know, but that doesn't really bring you to what the next year or two look like. 
I don't know. Backstrom is not, he's not, he's almost not even a factor anymore. John Carlson is still a good player, but he's not, he's, I mean, Chris Letang, I think put up his career high last year or close to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just a vibe. I, I can't, I mean, what do you think the difference is? I feel the same way. I, I, I feel it comes down to defensive style and the way you play the game. I, th- I just trust Crosby more. He's a more well-rounded player. I think he gets the job done. I think Carlson's better than Latang, but I just think it's Crosby. It's the Crosby effect. This guy has done nothing but exude professionalism and excellence his whole entire career, no matter what situation he's in. You know, we're having right. a down year. Everybody's injured. He still produces. We need you to do something else. He does it. So I think it's a Sidney Crosby effect. This guy will go down as like one of the best. He already will be. He's 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 a he's pleasure there. to watch it. And Latang did not have his best point season last year. He had forty one and sixty four. The year before that, he had sixty eight. So maybe you're thinking That's of two thinking. years ago. Yeah. So very good. All right, moving on to the New York Rangers. Tim, New York, New York, my former team. What are they going to do this year? Very lackluster last year. They kind of struggled throughout the season. Jacob Truba threw a fit midseason, threw his helmet in the bench, didn't get along with Gerard Gallant, just kind of clashing styles. All of a sudden, they went on a run. They made the playoffs. They were up two rip versus the New Jersey Devils in the first round. They lose in seven and completely implode. What are we going to see from the Rangers this year, Tim? They lose Tarasenko, Patrick Kane. Honestly, I'm I'm bored by this team. This team is so boring to me. And like, it's the same story over and over. They're so good on paper. They have probably the best goalie. They have a top two-ish, top three defenseman. They have elite offense and they don't seem to do anything with it. Someone, I heard an expression once of someone saying that they had all the pieces. They just didn't put the puzzle together. And that's what it feels like for this team. And so like the the story we've been talking about for two, two or three years now is like, is this the year that, Lafreniere and Capo Caco finally break out. It's a contract year for Caco. Lafreniere signed a two-year extension. I think Caco, people have higher expectations at this point. I think he took a step forward a little bit last year that 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 um, Lafreniere didn't, uh-huh. but that's a big question for them. To me, it's like they've been stacked on paper for years. Are they going to do anything about it? Like they should be Eastern Conference final or bust at least. And they won't. They're going to lose in the second round. And that's just, it's just boring to me. I disagree. Um, I feel like you nailed all the points. I don't think their offense has been as prolific as you um, were trying to make it out to be. They've, they've had a juggernaut of a power play the last few years. Their five on five offense has been just mediocre. I think the reason for that, you mentioned putting the puzzle pieces together. It's been their coach. Gerard Gallant was a dump and chase type coach. He was a let's go and bang and knock some heads and then we'll and then we'll get the puck out of the corner, put it up to the point and throw it on the net. And that's how we're going to generate our offense. He's gone. They bring in Peter Laviolette. This guy, all he does, he comes into a team that's already got its core together and he takes him to the Stanley Cup finals. He did it with Philadelphia. He did it with the Nashville Predators. He did it with the Carolina Hurricanes. This is what he does, Tim. So he's going to take this team who is used to dumping and chasing and he's going to take the reins off him a little bit. When you look at the New York Rangers, are they a dump and chase type team? Is Panarin and Zabinijad and Kako and Lafreniere and Trocek, are those guys going to get after it in the corner and start forechecking and banging bodies? I don't think so. This is a rush team. This is a high octane offense. And this is what Peter Laviolette was brought in to do. I don't know why Gerard Gallant was their coach in the first place. It doesn't fit the identity of this team. 
He's going to maximize Adam Fox. This guy really values defensemen jumping in the rush. You're going to see Keandre Miller. His point totals are going to go through the roof this season. I like the Rangers this year. They're going to come in under the radar. Their expectations are on the floor because everybody's going to be looking at the Devils and the Hurricanes and the Penguins. I like the Rangers this year. I think we're going to see career years from a lot of guys. And I think we're going to see some stuff in the playoffs that we're maybe not expecting. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tease the final just, I'm not going to blow what I think they're going to do this year, but I'm all in on the Rangers this year, much like I was two years ago. I think they're a very dangerous team. Shesterkin had a bad year for him last year. I think his save percentage was like 920. So look for him to bounce back a little bit. I think he's going to lighten his load. I think that might have been an issue. They're bringing Jonathan Quick. If he stays healthy, he's going to be a good mentor for him. Very similar styles. Acrobatic, athletic, not very good positionally per se, but just never gives up on a puck. So they'll they'll mesh well together. And oh, Tim, don't sleep on the Rangers. That's all I'm saying. You could be right. You could be right. You could be wrong. But again, it all comes down to the kids. Will Kako or Lafreniere step up? They need someone on that right side to step up. They bring in Blake Wheeler. You lose Kane. You lose Trocek, both right wingers. Who is going to be? What's that? Tarasenko, not Trocek. Tarasenko, excuse me. Who is going to be the right side? Wheeler's good. He's going to put up 60, 70 points. Who's going to be that other right winger to step up and fill that top six role? I don't know. I don't know, Tim. Let's talk about which team? Hurricanes next? Mm -hmm. Let's do that. I mean... It's cup or bust, right? For this team, they're probably the class of the East right now. They have a lot of expiring contracts too, which I don't know if that's going to add a lot of pressure or if these guys have been around long enough that that sort of stuff doesn't matter. But Tara Vinen, Jarvis, Nachos, which is like half of their top six, and plus Brady Shea and Brett Pesci, which are basically two of their top four defensemen, all on expiring mm-hmm. contracts. So we'll see, you know... Is this, it's not like a Toronto situation where it's like, okay, they got to win now to keep this core together. It's not that dramatic, but I wonder if this is the group that's going to do it. Does that add a little bit of pressure and does that impact their game at all? Um, Absolutely. I, I feel like everybody knows the clock is ticking on this team. They've had expectations through the roof for the last two or three years where they should have been competing for a Stanley Cup and they haven't gone it yet. They've never made it to the finals. I think so with this group, obviously they, they won it a few years back, but. I think this is this is the season. This is the one where are you able to do this? And I mentioned this a few months ago after they just bowed out on all the stars they were going to try to acquire. Maybe they're going to trade for Nylander. Are they going to sign Tarasenko? Are they going to get that goal score with Pacioretty gone? They bring in Michael Bunting. So they didn't go for the high-end goal score. I said it two months ago, I think. Is this the season we see a Stanley Cup champion that does not have a legitimate superstar? We'll see. This this is the definition of a well-built, well-balanced team, top to bottom. Sebastian Ajo's very good. I get that. He's not a superstar as much as Tim wants to force way, that box. He's not a superstar. Another podcast that we won't name posted like a long clip on social media yesterday with all the hosts arguing over whether Ajo is a superstar or not. So if you want to get content six weeks earlier than some of the other people are doing it, just listen to our show because we did Well, that. tell me which podcast it was chicklets yeah oh what did they say because they're 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 actually the the top dogs here what did they They come up with they all said yes yeah they don't know what the hell they're talking about see (laughs) so what kind of argument is it if they all said yes 
200 foot player point per game guy you can count on him in the big moments aho's that man basically no you can count on him in the big moments yeah they've won stanley cups multiple yeah he he's a very good player and there's nothing wrong with that I think people throw around this superstar label willy nilly where it's really should be reserved for a select few. And he is not one of them. So back to my point, we will see if this team that's deep, that's balanced, everybody's pulling the rope the same way. They have a very good third, fourth line with Martin Hook and fast and Tara Vine and Drury and Jordan Stahl, the ever present captain who just kind of, he shows up in the big moments, Jordan Stahl more than Sebastian Ajo does. And the strength of their team, Tim is on the back end. I I would put this defense up against any defensive six in the NHL. Six, not four. I don't think they have the best four. I think they have the best six with Slavin, Burns, Shea, Pesci, Orlov, and Delangelo. That's that's pretty good. That's really good. Like, that's a dangerous six. And then if they can stay healthy on the back end, if they can stay healthy between the pipes with Anderson and Ranta, I like this team. But again, it all goes back. Can they score goals when they really need to? Because the last few years, no, they can't. You know, we get a power play late in the game. We're down by one. Can we put that goal in? I don't, I don't, I don't see it, but I'm wrong a lot of the time. So we'll see. This is a great team. They'll be the class of the conference most likely, but yeah, that's my question. Can you do it? Can you do it without a superstar tip? Yeah. A couple other questions. Well, speaking of superstars, I guess Svechnikov isn't at that level, but what does he look like when he comes back? Cause he obviously missed a lot of time and had surgery is he healthy? Is he producing? Is he back to that level that you need him to be? Can he be a 30-goal, 70-point guy being a power forward? And then between the pipes, which of their goalies is going to take the reins? Because they have three pretty good goalies. They're probably expecting a split between Ranta and Freddie Anderson. Um, either one of those guys could be a 1A to a 1B. But even Coach Ekob looked pretty good in, in moments yep. in the playoffs. And he's had to play some some big games because of injuries to these other guys. So which which one of these guys is the guy when it comes to game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Who's who's who are they going to lean on? Well, I think if if you're hoping, if it's wishful thinking, if you're Don Waddell and Rod Brindamore, it's Freddie Anderson. You kind of saw what Antti Ranta did last year. He's a good goalie, but he, you saw what he could do in the playoffs, which was good, but not great. He let in some soft ones here and there. It's Antti Ranta. He's your starter. He's the guy who's been with you for a while. He did well in Toronto, even though people hated him. He put up some good numbers. The last two years in Toronto, like, they lost in the first round. His save percentage was 9.63. His goals against was 1.84. Last year, his save percentage was 9.27, goals against 1.85. So it's not him. He's an elite goaltender. It's the it's the group in front of him who can't score when they need to score. So it's it's Freddie Anderson's net, unless he gets injured. I, I like the way he's played. He's had a very stellar career. He's been unflappable, Tim. So it's Anderson's net, like I said, until he gets injured. And then as for Shvechnikov, I think the guy puts up 40 goals. He's a stud. I love I, him. I really enjoy his game. He's a moose out there. He, he reminds me of... Um, What's his name? Thomas Hurdle, but with better uh, goal skills, as scary as that sounds, because Thomas Hurdle in San Jose is a moose of a player. I think Svetch is a little more aggressive when it comes into the dangerous areas in front of the net, and he's got a better shot. So pretty interesting. All right, moving on. Yeah. Gosh. Are you going to be able to contain yourself? I'm doing I'm doing good so far. He's shaking in his chair, everybody. He's so excited. The New Jersey Devils, Tim. Let's keep this to with like under... 20 minutes he's so excited he's smiling he's giggling stop they're gonna think that you're being serious and i am being serious listen you stop you're embarrassing me all (laughs) right tim the devils 
had a good season last year. They get out of the first round. They beat the Rangers. That was big for them. Didn't really work out in the second round. What do the Devils need to do to take that next step? Because now they've shed the rebuilding team. They've stepped into the worst Stanley Cup contender group. What do they need to do this season to take the next step, to win the Eastern Conference, to go to the dance? I don't know if it's something that they need to do other than obviously win the games in front of them. Oh, I think that's, that's good. Break a couple of, <laughs> yeah, a couple of questions I have is like, okay, just like with the hurricanes, who's their goalie going to be? They have Vanacek and Schmid. Which one of those guys is going to be like the one that they can rely on? I think they want it to be Vanacek. Obviously he's making 3.4. He's 27. He's their guy right now, but we just don't know if he's going to be like, is he a one a on a Stanley cup contender TBD, right? Cause you know, at this point, what you're going to get from Jack Hughes, I, you know what you're going to get. Like, I love the the veterans they've added over the last year or two. Andre Palat, Tyler Toffoli, Eric Halla. Good, good players. Yeah. Another big question mark Smart. for me, though, is is Timo Meyer. You, he was the big deadline acquisition, and you didn't really get much from him in the playoffs. I think he got two goals, four points in 11 games, and 21 games in the regular season after the deadline. He had 14 points, which is okay, but... He was a point-per-game guy uh, before that for San Jose, 52 and 57, 31 goals. And so he was on pace for 40-plus, and he basically just fell off that pace. So is that uh, a pressure thing? Is that a chemistry thing? Is that a situation thing? Or will he be back to being that player, I think, is going to be huge for the Devils this year? Yeah, he's stunk in the playoffs. And he's proven he can do it in the playoffs because he did it with the Sharks when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals back in 1819. So we know he can produce in the big moments. I just think it was a bad fit. For whatever reason, he went to New Jersey and it just didn't jive the way it was supposed to jive. I I don't know. I don't know, Tim, but I I don't think he is the issue. I think you nailed it on the head. I think it's the goaltending. Can those two guys just be good? They don't have to be great because when you look at the Devils, they're a good team. They really are in the back end. I think we're going to see a big breakout from Luke Hughes. I think he's going to have a fantastic year. Dougie Hamilton, constantly, always underrated. He just never gets the the recognition that he's due. The guy's a stud. So we'll see. I see. I think. And here's here's my prediction. Two teams will be in the market for Logan Thompson: the Buffalo Sabers and the New Jersey Devils. Whoever gets Logan Thompson from the Vegas Golden Knights will go further in the Eastern Conference. So it's it's something they need to address. You can't get this team with this young talent, bring in Timo Meyer, sign him to 8.8 for eight years, a huge contract, and just go with Vanacek and Schmid. I, I don't think you can do that as a GM and as a coach and say you're doing everything you can to win a Stanley Cup. You have so many studs on this team, Tim. It, so I think that's the move that they have to make early if things don't pan out for these two in the first couple months of the season. But yeah, they're they're a dangerous team. I really you nailed it with the Tofoli Hala Palat. They're it's beautiful when you see a GM get it and add pieces that are not going to take away from the star players. These are good supplemental pieces. Eric Hala, very humble guy. Andre Palat plays a, a beautiful Robin to Batman. You know what I mean? He did it in Tampa Bay. He's going to do it with New Jersey and Tofoli. The guy has no ego whatsoever. What, what do you need me to do, coach? I'll do it. In in Calgary, he stayed out of the garbage when things were going south. He just went out there, did his job, and he did it well. So it's just, it's beautiful when a GM gets it. He doesn't go out and gets the most sexiest player. He goes out and gets players who are going to complement his stars. So yeah, the Devils are in the mix for the Stanley Cup this year. This is, these next three years, this is it. That's their window. 
speaking of windows and one that's been shut and cemented and bricked over the Washington Capitals. Not a good season last year. Not a good season the year before. They're they're consistently falling year to year. Last year they had 80 points. I think the year before they might have had 86 or 90, sniffing the playoffs. It's going to get worse before it gets better for these Capitals. But good thing is they doubled down and re-signed Tom Wilson to a long-term deal. Smart. Ovi's still there trying to sniff some goals to beat Gretzky's record because that's always good for these days. Where do the cap? I should stop dumping on Ovechkin because I really like the guy. But I really lean into the fact that people just think I hate him because I really like him. I've said it, I've said it time and time again. When I went bar down on Braden Holpe versus the Capitals early in the season, I'm he John came Scott. by the bench. He's like, nice shot, big boy. I was like, I know. Thanks. Thanks, Obi. Sick. But anyways, is there anything to watch for in the Capitals other than Ovi and the chase for the record? No. No, I tried hard on this one, but no. That's the only thing I'm interested in. I don't think they're going to win a lot of games. I don't think they have a lot to be excited about either in the present or the future. They have they have hung on, I think, a little bit too long. And I understand why, because of Ovechkin, but they the rebuild should have started a couple of years ago. And so, no, there's, no, there's nothing much here that, that should be exciting for Capitals fans. No one listens to me. Nobody. The GMs need to start listening to this show. Brian McLannan, listen. I think the key here with the Capitals is, do they do it this year? Do you trade Backstrom? Do you trade Kuznetsov, who's made it widely known he doesn't want to be there? TJ Oshie, Anthony Manta. What do you do with those guys? Do you just hold on to them? I don't know. I think there's still some value in those guys. For as much as they've struggled, for as much as they've been injured the last two, three, four years, there are teams that would take them on at the deadline to kind of give them a little boost in the playoffs. Who wouldn't want to have Backstrom as their third line center? You know what I mean? Or bring in a TJ Oshie, who's just deadly when it comes down to crunch time. Talk about crunch time performers. I want TJ Oshie on my team. Throw him on the third line, fourth line. So that's that's what you need to watch for. Yes, Ovi's going to get his goals. He's probably going to get 30. Who knows? But at the deadline, what are these guys going to do? Because they have a lot of contracts that they would like to get out from underneath. Especially on the back end, you got Carlson making eight, you got Jensen, Van Riemsdyk. Those deals don't seem like much, but four million here, three million there, 2.675 there. You get rid of that, all of a sudden you got some flexibility come, uh, you know, signing time later in the season or later in the year, because right now you're, you're spending to the cap and you're going to be in last place. They're, they're the San Jose Sharks of the East now. It's not a good look for the Washington Capitals. All right. Anyways. Ovechkin, good. Let's move on. Move move on to another older team. If that's possible, older than the Washington Capitals, the New York Islanders arguably have the best goaltender in the league. Ilya Sorokin made the big splash last year, getting Bo Horvat. Uh, are are they bound for success this year, Tim? Is this team going to beat Father Time and all of a sudden turn back the clock? What can we expect from the New York Islanders? Yeah, again, this is not a team I'm I'm super interested in. <laughs> the uh, the Bo Horvat thing is actually very similar to Timo Meyer, where he was just 30 goal scorer, 54 points in 49 games in Vancouver before he was traded, and then he goes and puts up half that number um, and half that pace when he gets traded to the Islanders, including the playoffs, two points, one goal in six games in that first round. So just 
just not very good. And so, and then they sign him, you know, they sign him to a long-term extension. Can he be that player? And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were one of the ones that said like, he is not this 30 plus goal, 80 point guy that, that he is right now in this contract. He's going to come back down to earth and be who he's always been, which is more of a 25 to responsible player, good leader, but he's not a star and, and they're paying for a star. So that's kind of one of the things I'm looking at right now is what, what, there was last year sort of a breakout for him because he's 28. So it, it could be that maybe his best hockey is just getting going, but probably not. So that's one of the questions I have. And then the other one I have is, is just Sorokin. You mentioned, and for my money is probably, I think he's my favorite goalie in the league. I think he's probably the, the best goal. If you ask me, especially considered like, what does he, do, what does he do with a Rangers like team in front of him or, or the lightning or some of these other teams that they're getting boosted by the players in front of them. So I think it's interesting to see if he wins the Vezina and I would put money on him doing so. Would you give him eight years, $8.25 million? I think he's worth that. I don't think the Islanders should have given him that because they're not going to be 28. He's going to be 29 when this contract kicks in. That means he's going to be 36, 37 when it's done. It was just a, it's just a bumble of a terrible move from Lou Lamorello. I think everybody's glasses are off. We've, we've peeked behind the curtain. Lou Lamorello is a bad GM. He's bad. He's bad at what he does. He ruined the Leafs for a long time. He came to the Islanders. He ruined them. He hit his sweet spot with the New Jersey Devils when there was no salary cap, and he was gifted with a ton of good players. He's a garbage GM. Garbage. He does nothing at the deadline every single year. He always thinks he's got these things up his sleeve, and I got contracts that no one knows about. I'm going to sign Zach Parisi. Wow. That's so revolutionary. Islanders are going to suck. When you look at their team, they got $25 million wrapped up in three players. Barzal, Horvat, and Anders Lee. Does that strike fear in other teams? I look at other teams in their top three, the Vegas Golden Knights. They got Stone. They got Eichel. They got Peter Angelo. They got studs. When you look at Tampa Bay with comparable 24 million, you got Point. You got Stamkos. You got Kucherov. When you look at the Leafs, you got their big three. Every other team that has spent that much money on three players makes this roster laughable. And the fact that you have Brock Nelson, John Gabriel Pajot, Kyle Palmieri makes $5 million for Pete's sake. So many bad contracts for guys over the hill who are never going to get that value out of that contract. They're going to stink, Tim. This team stinks to high heaven. And the fact that they give Ilya Sorokin $8.25 million for eight years is just criminal. He's a good goalie. He's a good goalie. You're really going to sign him for that long? To 2031-32? Tim? Uh, and your backup Varlamov makes 2.75. You're you're spending eleven million dollars for your goalies. It's wild. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I don't know. They're gonna stink this year. They're gonna spend the cap and they're gonna stink. If I'm Matthew Barzal, I'm like, what did I do? I'm here to win 30-31. Yikes. Whammy. Yeah. And Bull Horvat won't touch 30 goals. You heard it here first. His sweet spot is 25. If he gets 25, that's a good season for him. And I don't want people to think I'm dumping on all these players. Bo Horvat's a good player in this league. He has no business making 8.5 million. Good for him for making it. Lou Lamorello is a dumb GM. But the guy's going to get you 25 goals. He's going to get you 30 assists. He's going to be 55 points. Is that, that what you get these days, Tim, for $8.5 million, 55 points? 
He's a leader in the locker room, knowing he's a moose on the ice. So I guess that's worth something. Good for Bo Horvat for getting it. But just, you're building a team. Are you nuts? Are you absolutely crazy that you're giving this guy that much money and that much term for what he brings to the table? It's crazy. It's absolutely criminal that that's what he's making. So good for Lou Lamorello. He has an absolute donkey when it comes to being a GM. Seriously. How does he still have a job? Just because you won a couple cups with the Devils back in the 90s. We talk about um, Galchenyuk. It's a Lou Lamorello effect. Everybody thinks this guy's a genius. He's an idiot. Anyways, there you go. There's your meme, everybody. This guy got hit in the head too much because he called Lou Lamorello an idiot. You tell me what he's done in the last 15 years. How good of a GM he's been. What he's done. Buried the Leafs, signed all those veterans. My friends didn't do anything for him. Comes to the Islanders and just scuttles this franchise for the next 10 years. Good. There you go. I was in a good mood, too. <laughs> Fishing <laughs> last night. Now I'm talking about the island. It just it, stuff like that really burns, burns me, grinds my gears. Peter Griffin. But how do, how did the, how does the owner keep letting him do this to the team? Who are you arguing with though? Everybody. I don't know. <laughs> Myself. You're having a, a fight with somebody. But it irks me when I see this because there are 32 NHL franchises and there are 32 GMs. And this guy has, he's in a very just, a position people would just die for. And he just has been doing a bad job. If you do a bad job in the real world, you get fired. Uh, he hasn't done anything for the New York Islanders. He signed Barzal to a bad contract. I don't think Barzal should be making 9.15. The guy's never cracked 70 points. He had his rookie year. He got 85. Correct me. if I'm, I'm sorry. Since then, he's been garbage. Not garbage. Tim, he makes 9.15. Do you want to look at the comparables around him? McKinnon, Rantanen, Kucherov, Hughes, 115 points, Goudreau, Kuchuk. Those are his comparables, Tim. Right now, he's in the world of guys making $4 million and he makes 9.15. So he's been garbage. When you get ROI, return on investment, the Islanders are the worst team in the league. They spend money, they get nothing out of it. And I blame Lou Lamorello. And he's going to be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Crazy. All right. There's two more Columbus teams. Blue Jackets. Yeah. Before I have a heart attack here. Blow a gasket. <laughs> what are we looking um, at? Let's do the Jackets and the Flyers because they're going to be bottom dwellers. Let's do these quick. Yeah, the Jackets, obviously, the Babcock thing. We'll touch on that in a minute. Um, but two kind of hopeful things is Fantilli, obviously, seeing what he can do, um, bring in his rookie year. What's what's a good number for him? I think 50 points would be an excellent rookie season for a second overall pick. Just seeing where he goes. Was he second? He was, right? Um, yep. And, and so, obviously, very, very exciting young player. And then the other one is a little bit of a deeper cut here, but but Provorov. Can he be a legit number one again, like he was for a few years in Philadelphia before he took some steps backward? I think a lot of that was situational and just not being happy with that room and, and that, I don't know the city, but the organization maybe and what's happening on the ice. So can he go back to being um, the guy that you can rely on to log some heavy minutes, to play some, to put up some decent points um, in a system where he's not going to be asked to do too much defensively, I don't think, because his team's not going to win a lot of games. If he can be passing the puck to Lining, Drew, and Fantilli, I think he's going to be able to put up solid points, or he won't. So I think there's something to watch out for. 
Here's my question. Do you even, gosh, it's, it's so tricky because he's good enough to be in the league, but what's, what's the benefit of having Fantilli in the lineup and yet not just sending him back to college? Seasoning? I don't know. You just lose a year of that contract. Those first three years are so valuable. But yeah, I guess he has to be there. If, I, if I'm the GM, if I'm Yarmo, I'm seriously thinking of just leaving him in college, but well, he's probably already signed an agent. He had ship his sales, so he's going to be a pro. But yeah, because they're going to be bad. Jackets are going to be bad. We'll see what happens with Babcock. I really don't want to talk about it, but we will. All right, Philadelphia Flyers. Get rid of Delangelo. John Tortorella is still there. Sean Couturier coming back from injury. Will he be back? What else is there to talk about, Tim? Torts. What kind of system does he implement? And then obviously, uh, Keith Jones, the president of the organization, like, I, I think he's probably going to, I mean, for lack of a better word, class up the organization a little bit. I like him a lot. I think some of the stuff he's doing already. Um, I just, I hope that he helps them create an identity. It feels like they've been lost for a while. So I think, I mean, again, we, we don't know because he's never held any office like this. He's only been a player and a broadcaster basically. So what does he, what does he look like? Um, and what does that translate into cultural on the ice in the locker room? We'll see. Um, the other thing you, you mentioned Couturier, I was, I was looking at his stats the other day. He's such a good player that no one's really talking about anymore because he's been injured. But in his last two healthy seasons, he's got 33 goals in each of them, 269 points in his last 303 games. He won the Selkie a couple of years ago. Brutal injury luck. A hip. His cartilage was torn from his rib. His MCL, he took a puck to the face. He had back surgery. It's too bad he'll never be, you know, what he was before. But I feel like them, I don't know. He's going to, they're going to be a better team with him back in the lineup. So that all said, they're not going to win many games this year. Yeah, they are. I think they'll lead the league in fights. I like the way their fourth line's set up right now. They got huh. um, Garnet Hathaway and Nick Deloria. They got a pretty tough guy in the back end, Nick Seller. They they will fight a lot because they'll be down, and those guys are going to be frustrated, and they're going to have to do something to get this team going. So I don't think they're going to lose as much as you think, but we'll get to that right now. Let's do the predictions for this division. I will go first because you, you've like blacked yours out. You don't want me to see. It's like secret. It's like, this is the big secret. Who picked who's winner for the division? All right, I'll start my last place team, the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think I think Babcock will get fired because this country is just soft and they're going to fire him. So that'll be a big blow to this team. If you lose your coach in the middle of training camp, that's a huge thing. I think Washington will be the second last team. They'll come in at seventh place. I think they're going to be garbage, Tim. They're really going to struggle. I think the Flyers are going to fall into the sixth position. I think Tortorella will will these guys to wins. They're going to work hard. They're going to do their job and they're going to win games just based on that. I don't think the Capitals or Blue Jackets have that kind of structure and they're not going to work hard and they're just going to give up. So I think the Flyers come in sixth. I think the Islanders come in fifth just because of default because the Flyers, Caps, and Jackets are so bad and the Islanders do have some talent there, but I don't think that they're in the top four. Then I got the Penguins fourth. Like I said, they're going to sneak into the playoffs, then look for them to do some damage in the playoffs. Then I got the Hurricanes third place. The Hurricanes will be good. Uh, I don't I don't see them being as good as the Devils and the Rangers. So I got the Hurricanes third, I got the Devils second, and I got the Rangers first. I really like the Rangers. I think wow. they're gonna really um excel in their labulette. I think those guys learned a lot last year in the playoffs by just being just embarrassed in the last five games versus the Devils. So um yeah, I got the Rangers first, Tim. What do you got? Well, we all know okay. who you got first. It's just like Devils. I'll start from the bottom as well. So the Flyers, I just don't think they, I don't, I don't see it. I don't think they're going to win a lot, a lot of games this year. So I have them eighth, Capital seventh. I have Columbus sixth. 
Um, and we both have the same bottom three teams. You can kind of mix and match these orders. Um, but I feel like I just, I, I like Columbus the most out of those three teams. And so I'm, I'm going to root for them to come in six, just win maybe, you know, two or three games more than those other teams. Islanders next. And then we get into like the playoff run and the wild card and everything. But I have the Rangers fourth. Hmm. I have the Rangers fourth, then Pittsburgh third, <clears throat> Carolina second, and the Devils first. No oh, shocker. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I think, I think Pittsburgh knocks one of these teams out of a playoff spot into the wild card. And to me, that's just the Rangers. I don't have a lot of faith in them. I hope they, I hope I'm wrong, but. Well, the wild card still is a playoff spot. Right. But you know what I'm saying? Like a, a playoff spot and then the. Okay. Okay. Yes, you do. Stop. All right. Very good. That's exciting. We'll see how this pans out, but let's get some quick hits. Um, Rosmus Dalina talked about him earlier in the show. He wants a five-year deal with the Sabres. The Sabres want eight per Adam Peters. Andrew. Um, Andrew Peters should be Adam. Obviously, Dalene wants five. What player doesn't want to hit the UFA and be in his prime? Sabres want eight. We'll see where that pans out. Obviously, Dalene's not happy. He wants a deal, but... It's going to be eight years. It has to be. You know, they got power locked up. They got all these young guys locked up. They've all been eight years. Tristan Thompson. Who's the other friend of the show? The Alaskan hey, Assassin. The Yukon hey, now workhorse. Cousins. Yeah. yeah. They're all eight years. So they're going to get him. All right. Let's go to this. Let's just. Babcock. What, what's the angry tweet? People are upset at my take on that. I'm not allowed to have an opinion. Yeah. You got a tweet last night from it's a burner account because they always are. Richard 8394363. What's a burner account? How does that work? just an alias it's just to create an account that because you don't want your actual name or picture attached to it it's but just, could it just be like a, a russian bot it could be i don't they would tweet me though all right what did what did this joker have to say john this i'm not <laughs> there's a lot of typos in this john's take on the babcock situation was ignored his history and damaging ta- tactics with players way off then his slamming the Chicklets crew was near embarrassing. I'm not sure I will continue to listen because of it. Oof. Okay. I hope he I hope he listens. I apologize if I offended anybody. I like the Chicklets crew. I just think they really went out on the ledge to kind of go after this guy. So it is what it is. I, I think this is a witch hunt. I think people don't like Mike, Mike Babcock. Uh, they didn't really like what he did with the Leafs. He made some enemies. And you can see the people... People sticking up for him, Nazim Kadri, Tyson Berry, he, he got along with the people who are coming after him, the Mike Commodores, the Frank Carrados from Toronto. They don't like him. You can't like everybody being a head coach. You can't make friends with everybody. You have to make enemies. Frank Carrado, for Pete's sake, he healthy scratched him for the first 30 games of the season, and he's coming out against Babcock saying he didn't like him. Shocker. Whoa. Revolutionary. Really? You don't like Babcock and he healthy scratched you that many times in a row? Who cares? Get over yourself. He was a coach. He didn't like you whatever uh, he's going to get fired. Like I said, they're making a big deal out of this. Who, who cares? Bab- Babcock's a very polarizing person. Not everybody agrees with what he does. It's not for everybody, but he's a, he's a coach. He has his ways. So I don't know what's let's just breeze through this pretty quick. Cause I don't want to spend too much time on this. What happened? They, they sent down the NHLPA investigative division. Ron Hainsey all of a sudden is like uh an investigator, Sherlock Holmes, coming into Columbus, going to dig up some clues. Well, the the first thing was that they talked to like the veterans, like Boone Jenner and Gaudreau, Gaudreau and basically thought mm-hmm. it was no big deal. But it, quote, apparently, it seems things changed when information was received that some of the younger Blue Jackets were uncomfortable with what had occurred. This appears to be a major focus of the investigation. There's a meeting oh today gosh. between the NHL and NHLPA. It was already scheduled, but now Babcock is going to be the main focus of it. 
Um, and quote, this is a quote from Dreger just an hour ago. Based on the information that has been discovered and percolated to the surface in the last 48 hours, I think there's a chance Babcock's job could be in question. I'm not reporting or predicting it's going to happen, but there's a chance that it happens. So his job's on the line at this point. So it'll be interesting to see what they find out. And I think it's going to come out one way or another in the next day. Like, I think it's going to happen pretty quick. So This dovetails per- perfectly with how I see young kids these days. Did you know I was going to go that route? But don't you think if if he's doing what they're saying he did, that that is totally inappropriate, and they have a right to be uncomfortable about it? No. No, there's you. Sorry, I should rephrase it. Anybody can be uncomfortable whenever they want. That's fine. But you being uncomfortable doesn't mean I need to be fired. Maybe this is a you problem, not a me problem. Just because I do what I do. And maybe I make you uncomfortable. You need to deal with that yourself. That's is, something maybe that's wrong with you. Is trust an important factor in building a winning organization? To a degree, but there's also accountability and there's also a hierarchy. This is not a democracy. This is a dictatorship. I think players these days get that twisted. It's like, oh, we, we want to be a part of the decision-making. We want to be this. We want to be that. No, no, no. You do your job. You, you, you do what I tell you to do. And I think young players these days, it's very, it speaks volumes that the older veterans are like, it's fine. It's not a big deal. This is what happens. It's not a big deal. It's a little different, but it's not a big deal. And the younger players, uh, this hurt my feelings. Oh, I don't like this. He asked me to do something and it made me uncomfortable. It's like, my goodness, how soft are we as a society? Really? Did it really make, uh, now he's got to lose his job. Now they got to have a huge investigation because someone asked to see some photos on your phone of your family. And then you get these donkeys chiming in. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, I, he, he helped you scratch me when I was playing for him. And I don't like that. I don't like it. He's got to go. If Babcock gets fired, it's sad. I, I think it's a bad thing, but if he does, so be it. But yeah, the kids need to grow a pair. You know, obviously, I tougher. agree with all that, but um, do you really? Yes, yes. Why it, is it, it okay? This is going to turn into a long. Why is it Babcock's fault that he hurt someone's feelings or made someone feel uncomfortable? Because of if if what they're saying is true, and Biz and Wit keep doubling down on it, and all these other things keep happening, the fact that like this story hasn't gone away means that there's probably fire here. And and if all those things are true and what people are saying is true, he doesn't do it to get to know the guys. He does it in a predatory form to embarrass them, to establish power over them, try to make them uncomfortable and try to intimidate them, whatever. It's all about power and control. And he does it specifically for those reasons and not to form a bond or to get to know the guys and their families. If he does it for that reason, then yes, he deserves to be fired. But what if he's just doing it? The way Boone Jenner, Johnny Gaudreau are saying, and he just asked them to see some family pictures because he's interested. Then then he shouldn't be fired. And he won't be fired. But why doesn't anybody take their word? And all of a sudden, the reason I'll tell you why is because the Blue Jackets are afraid of not acting on this. And same with the NHLPA, because if they don't act on it, and rightfully so, because something bad could be happening. But it's just like, it's like, man, it's a really, it's a heavy reaction to this compared to other things that have happened 
Well, that's what I, I mean. Like just, the, the story is yeah. not going away, and more reports keep coming out about like the meetings that they're having, the NHLPA, his jobs on the line. This like even this morning, the story is still breaking, and it's been forty eight hours. So um, that's why I feel like there's some, there's something to it. There's like games are in a week and a half. Preseason games. It's crazy. I feel bad for the players there. Fan of Tilly's like, get me back to Michigan. This stinks. All right, everybody. Anyways, we'll talk to you all next week. I hope everybody has a good weekend. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 